I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. All right. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome back to the Pop Podcast. I hope everyone had a fabulous weekend, and I am back with a male entrepreneur, which I am super excited to talk to. He is straight from Australia, has the accent and everything, but I have Richard Cap on the podcast. He is the co-founder of Milton and King, a high-end wall coverings or wallpaper organization here in the States. They were originally founded in Australia and have built a global presence They are on three continents now, are featured in El Decor, Better Homes and Garden. And if you are an HGTV watcher, you might have seen some of their products in Making It Home and Property Brothers. So I'm super excited, not only just about the accomplishments that he has on paper, but the person that Richard is. He's super down to earth, extremely humble, talks about all the growing pains of starting a business out of your backyard, literally how him and his brother built this thing from the ground up over the last 14 years, all the challenges that he has faced throughout the process, and his advice to young entrepreneurs who are out there with an idea, with a passion, and with a drive. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. Richard is amazing. He's succinct. He's to the point, and that's how we like it. Let's get right into it. So why you? What brought you to the States? Uh, Well, originally I put my hand up to go to Austin in 2017. Oh my gosh, I'm moving there in uh, tw- less than 20 days. Well, I think it's changed a bit since I was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I just kind of saw the the future of our business in the US. So yeah. I sort of pushed for it where he's a bit more of a homebody and he's he's wanting to stay home. So um, yeah, I put my hand up and here we are with my wife and two kids. How has the balance been with him being there and you being here? It's okay. It's okay. We transitioned. So my wife's from Tasmania. Okay. Our business is in Queensland in Australia. Uh, We spent 18 months, my wife and I, in Tassie with her family before we came over. Uh So we were kind of used to already me not being in the office. So that that kind of, that's worked all right. We just have our conversations each day and we email all the time and and we know how each other works. So it it goes okay. Like I was talking to him just as I walked in the door. So it's, yeah, it's not a, not a challenge really. Working with your siblings, I feel like can be challenging. I think given that you're a male, it makes life a little bit easier. How do you two balance each other? Uh, That's a good question. Um, (laughs) Well, we've always been close. So we, we don't, uh, I don't think we, we don't say this is work relationship and this is not brothers. We're always brothers. Yeah. Um, so we we work pretty well. Um, we've got different roles. Like he's the designer, he's the art director. Uh, I've got the accounting sort of sales background. So okay. he's kind of let me do my thing and I let him do his. Um, and we don't step on each other's toes. So we just have full trust with each other and yeah. that's how it works. But we also, when we're making decisions, it's not like you're making a decision for an employee. You're making, you're also thinking about it. He's my brother. How yeah. is this going to impact his life? So yeah, it can be challenging, but you just, just got to work through it. Talk. Do you feel that having that relationship makes making harder decisions easier? Or do you feel like it makes it harder because there is a personal relationship that you have and there could be like an underlying fear of, I know males are a little bit different, but I feel like in those relationships, sometimes it can be hard to separate business and personal. Oh, I think it can because he's like, uh, you know, you've always got, he's, he's, you're always thinking, I guess. Or, yeah. Um, you're thinking about how this affects his personal life and his, his family and, you know, what he wants out of life might be different now to when we started the business you know, 14 years ago, we started as a partnership. Yeah. Um, and things cruise along. Like we were both single when we started and then now we've, we've both got two kids and you know, there's life changes. So yeah, you've got to, you know, you've got to think about the now when you're making these decisions. Yeah. 14 years ago, why the wall art industry? Um, two single men were just like, wow, my walls are looking really bare. And so here I am. Well, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't start in walls. We, um, <laughs> 
we we started. Bryce is a graphic designer okay. by trade, so he'd been in the UK, he'd been a couple of years in Spain, and he got home and and back to Australia. He was looking for a job and didn't really, you know, want what they were offering at the time. Um, I guess he'd been a bit free spirited cruising around in Europe, so he he wasn't ready for a full job. So he he became a freelancer graphic designer, was doing some ads, putting a magazine together for a girl we knew, and um. So I, I sort of said, right, well, I think he needs my help. He's not going to be able to do this without me. So I, I came in with a bit of an accounting background and a sales background. I didn't have a job at the time. So I was like, right, I'll, I'll help him out. Wow. And that's how it sort of started. And then we ended up buying a, a printer for Canvas Prints. And we started doing Canvas Prints. So we were doing art reproductions and things okay. like that. And it was just a business that was trying to get going. Like this mm-hmm. isn't a, a money-making venture at this stage. We were just scraping by. And then we, um, someone said, can you do wallpaper? And we designed a brochure which had a mural, a wall mural in it. And it was, you know, more of a page filler at the time. And Bryce thought it looked good. And that was where everybody was interested. So we then had to figure out how to do it. And that, that took a long time because wallpaper just wasn't a yeah. off the shelf. This is how you make wallpaper and especially digital wallpaper. And that was, you know, that was a while ago. That was before current inks and technology and all sorts of things. So it, it was, it took a long time, a lot of research and testing and, but we got there. In the initial pivot, I think a lot of, and this is something I talk a lot about on this podcast, you have an idea and entrepreneurs get emotionally attached to this idea. Naturally, you're passionate about it. Most entrepreneurs are naturally pa- passionate, aggressive, assertive individuals. During that pivot and recognizing that the feedback from clients was in the wallpaper industry, what advice would you give someone going through that transition of you kind of started working on this thing and although it wasn't making too much money, not holding on to it so tight and letting go of an opportunity that you all didn't see at that time? Um, it's, it's a hard one. It's a hard one because there's, there's a few ways to look at that. Um, we we're, were fortunate that, that we had no idea what we were doing. And we were completely naive, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? So you always, and it's like anyone starting a business, they are yeah. naive. They look at the numbers and go, oh, I'm going to make a heap of money. But that's, that's not how it pans out. Yeah. Um, but we were fortunate that we were, we were in Australia where the market's tiny. We were in mum and dad's back shed, hiding away, trying to figure out how to do it. So we weren't in, you know, we weren't, we weren't out there saying this is how we're going to do it and didn't raise a heap of capital and get yeah. ready to change the world. We just started <laughs> toiling away at how to do it. Yeah. And the first year, a few people bought some wallpaper. Half of it was a failure. It cost us more than, you know, to produce it than we sold it for. And then, but we figured that people were still willing to buy it. So there was something in it. So we kept going and, and we just sort of kept toiling away at it. And so, and that took a long time before it starts to, you know, it really sinks in that this is what you're doing and, and people are interested in it. And yeah, so it's, it's taken a while, but and by saying that, like at least five years before you actually look at it and go, all oh, right, this, maybe there's something in this and you're really, you're invested in it, but yeah, it's, it's a challenge and we didn't have any cash. So we were bootstrapping yeah. the whole time and, mm-hmm. and that makes it, well, I, I suppose that takes out the risk of making stuff ups because you haven't got a huge amount of money to stuff up anyway. So, it, yeah. and then as you, as time's ticking along, your ideas change, your research changes, the feedback changes and. Yeah, and then you all sort of end up in this, I guess, you know, like all new businesses, tr- someone's trying to find a, they find their groove eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes a bit of time. Five years. Oh, until I don't you even know s- if it was five years. It was probably longer than that before we were on the payroll. How do you stay patient throughout ah. five years? <laughs> that's, that's a trick. Um, and keep That's going. something you learn. That's something you learn. You got to learn to slow down. and. Um, How? Well... When we first started, like the idea was, and I, I sort of remember saying to Bryce, listen, we're never ever going to get rich out of one sale, <laughs> right? You've got to put it all together and you've got to do lots and lots of sales to make it You're work. You're the logical one. He's the dreamer. <laughs> oh, no, I no, I think we're both pretty patient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, but business isn't a race. Like it's not a, it's not a, oh, let's get it happening straight away. And, and it's, it's, it's very easy to think that. Like it's, all oh, right, we're going to crack in and we're going to do this in year one. Well, that's not going to happen. You've really got to be in a position for, for slow growth or for just to find your own little path. Like, oh, we were lucky. We didn't have any expenses. Yeah. You know, we had very few, mm-hmm. you know, there was times where we'd go home, we'd have 
fries for dinner. Like we had two bucks in the ashtray of the ute. That's what was paying for dinner. We didn't have any money. So, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's, it's, yeah, you know, you, you learn to be patient. You learn to be patient. My, the conversations always happen at the best time, but I think especially, and I know you just got here, but I feel like just the American culture is very, we're in the right now. It's like this immediate gratification. We want to see results immediately. I think social media has just glamorized that, but it's always so funny when I talk with entrepreneurs like yourself, they're like, it just takes time and to slow down. And I always ask the same question because how do you know when to go fast and how do you know when to go slow? I think is the hardest battle in entrepreneurship. Well, that's, that's not just an American thing. That's, that's <laughs> worldwide. No, yeah. no, in terms of the, the instant gratification, that's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, social media does a really good job of making people impatient. And, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> when to speed up, I, I guess, you know, a, a lot of, well, it really comes down to what the bank balance is saying a lot of the time, you know, yeah. as to how heavy you can go in and something. Um, yeah, it's all about timing. It's all about timing. So, you know, there's times where you want everything to happen straight away. But you mm-hmm. go, well, hang on, we've got a we've got a target in front of us at the moment. We're going to hit that and then we can go to the next thing. Um, you know, it would be great to be one of these businesses that launched and sold for $10 billion, you know, 24 hours later. Like, it's never going to happen. So yeah. it's it's you just got to plan out. And, and when I'm not trying to be this serial entrepreneur that starts this, flips it, starts this. This is a career. So yeah. you've got to look at this and say, well, I want to retire out of wallpaper and I'm not planning on doing it just yet. So, yeah. you know, it, it just, yeah, everything just takes a little bit longer and it's like life, you know, yeah. it's, you don't want it all to happen once. I, I always tell myself, I think it comes with age, but it's funny because all my mentors are older and they've all built, built, I mean, even like talking with Waylon, like everyone always, and the first thing they say to me is like, you just need to slow down. Like the only person you're racing against is yourself. And I always take accountability. Like I'm not one to blame, but I do think social media kind of puts this expectation of like, oh, you need to build this and it needs to be this by this point. And it's like at the end of the day, most of these businesses pivot four or five times before they get, and we're going to get a little bit more to your story. But was there a point in that first five years that you look back on and we're like this moment was the breaking point for us staying along this line and keep moving in the right direction? Listen, in, in the first five years, we were lucky we both didn't quit on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. Um, and it was probably longer than five years. You probably said <laughs> 10 years. Um, no, it's, um, the, the, you know, businesses, any business, especially when, and I, I guess it would be really hard if, you, if I was just me. Yeah. If it was just me making these decisions going, what do I do here? Who are we going to talk to? But we've been lucky that we could just talk to each other. Yeah. And sometimes we agree, sometimes we didn't, but we just sort of push on. So, well, let's test it. Let's see what happens. And, mm-hmm. and, but, yeah, and that's kind of how Milton and King came about because we started off doing canvas prints. Like we were, and, and then we got into the wallpaper mm-hmm. and we were doing custom digital wall murals and things like that because they paid a lot of money and it was, um, you could, you could compete in that world at that time. I'll get more on that later, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, and, and then we sort of looked at it and said, all right, well, this isn't going to work. This isn't what we want our future to look like, doing one wall at a time. You know, someone rings up and says, oh, I've got this wall and they've, they've given you the measurements. You've made a mural for it. The guy goes out, the wall sizes are different. And we thought, we're never going to scale this business. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, your business changes all the time, all the time. Yeah. We're in those early days. Yeah. And then you get onto something that actually works and you, you've really got to teach yourself to slow down and say, I'm not getting sidetracked. Because it's very easy to get sidetracked as well and say, oh, these guys are doing this and these guys are doing this and we should be doing this. Like they look like they're being successful. Um, you've really got to, you know, as boring as some products are, um, there's guys out there that make lots and lots of money doing it because it is boring and they just keep yeah. doing it day after day and get better at it. How did you know, what was the light bulb moment that you knew that you were onto something with Milton and King and that's what you needed to stick to? I, the light's probably getting brighter. <laughs> I don't know if it's on. Well, no, it's on. It's on. It's always been on. Yeah. But, um, 
Like what this was there a moment that you look back on and you're like, that is when we knew this is where we should focus our energy and our attention. Uh oh, I remember when we fu- we just said we're going into wallpaper and mm-hmm. we're gonna ditch everything else. And we hadn't even sold a lot of it. We just um we just said, right, we just need to concentrate hundred mm-hmm. percent on this. And you gotta go all in on these things. Yeah. Um, if, yeah, otherwise it's not going to work. Cause if you've got to fall back, you fall back on it. So yeah, we went all in for wallpaper and, and that was probably fairly on, early on. That was probably, you know, three years in probably 2000, I guess probably 2011, we sort of went all in on, on, uh, wallpaper. Yeah. And since then you have grown significantly and you're yeah, in. Yeah. A lot of Thank big God. <laughs> thing. <laughs> the risk paid off. Uh, you're in a lot of you know property, but bro- property. I can't talk property. Brothers, new home featured in El Decor. You're you're touching all the big names. What do you attribute that success to? Doing it every day. <laughs> <laughs> he eats, sleeps, and breathes wallpaper. No, no, no. We've, <laughs> we've well, well, now we've got a team of people too. Yeah. Um, it's not a big team. I we really pride ourselves on being a small team. Mm-hmm. Um. There's 13 people in Milton and King across three continents. So, like, for the amount of wallpaper we produce, we're probably batting above the average. Yeah. Um, but we've got we've got a guy who's who's good at outreach, and we you know we we put ourselves out there as, as we're open to you know you can come and talk to us. We're happy to talk to people and yeah. and listen to projects that they might be doing, whether that be a photographer who's doing a shoot or whatever. We're open for communication, really. Yeah. So we like to know what people are doing. And if they want to use our product, that's even better. So we help them out that way. So yeah, we are. We're, we're everywhere, but we're, we're not, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's nice to see your product on, in magazines. Like, yeah. But I don't really even buy magazines. So I end up with friends saying, oh, you know, you're in this. And I'm like, all right, cool. But it's not, that's not what drives me. I don't get driven on getting my stuff in magazines. What does drive you? Oh, I don't know. A good point. That's a good question. Um, well, I, I guess it financial. No, well, I think that comes later. Like, you start off, it's financial because mm-hmm. we started off, we didn't have any money. Like, yeah. right, we need some income. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, all right, how do we go and get it? And then that that fades because you find something you actually want to do and mm-hmm. you get a bit passionate about it. And then the money doesn't really matter. So. Like I lived at home on and off for years and lived in share houses and I didn't have any cash because, but I didn't really worry me because I knew what I was, I was happy doing the day to day. Um, yeah, it's, it's what drives me to know. I guess I want to see how big it can go. Like it it started in a little shed in rural Queensland. It'd be nice to see what we can do with it. Do you have a vision of what you thought it would be like, and is it very similar to that vision that you had? Uh, it's, pro- it's probably getting closer. Okay. Um, it's probably getting closer. I, I always thought that doing digital wall coverings, we could have multiple factories and be more flexible to the market and rather than just be one big factory somewhere and sending product everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we're getting closer to achieving that, which yeah. is exciting. I have a lot of young entrepreneurs or people that want to be entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. What advice would you give someone that is starting a venture that's in a similar situation as you? There's not a lot of money. We have this idea. I don't know what to do next. No, that's a challenge. Um, (laughs) I try not to give out too much advice because everybody's got a different, everyone's in a different position. Um, what would you tell your younger self? Oh, I don't know. Like <laughs> a few years ago, I probably would have said, don't do it because it's really, it is really hard. Like if, if you're really starting something and you're bootstrapping and you haven't got any cash and it's, and it's one hurdle after the other, it's hard. And, and especially if you are like, you know, we started in our twenties, which we were very fortunate that we did that. Um, and you know, life in your twenties is a different life in your forties. So, um, yeah, it, it's a hard one. I, I've really got to look at it and say, all right, well, how do you do it? I don't know. Everybody's a bit different. But if you've really got to be in a position where you don't have to, like we were living, we were still living out of the business. We didn't have any income from anywhere else, but yeah. we just had very little income. 
So you miss all the parties, you miss the weddings, you do, you miss all of that because you you're on your little path. Yeah. Um. So our thirties are probably different to a lot of my friends' thirties. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, but now in your in your forties, you got friends that are probably looking and go, "Oh, look at the size of that business! The man, it's grown." Mm-hmm. But it's just been from hard work. Um, yeah. So if if you're starting out, you've got to be prepared that it's not going to happen quickly. And if it does, you're one of those lucky ones. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if if you're making something and trying to like, we're we're probably a bit different to a lot of people. We actually make our product and then we're selling it direct to the consumer. We're not. We're not an e-commerce business that's just pulling something out of China and chucking it on Amazon and doing all of that. Well, there's, you know, yeah. plenty of guys that make yeah. lots of money doing Good that. Not, yeah. Um, so, but we've, we've got complete control over everything. Like we're designing it, we're manufacturing it, we're yeah. then actually, you know, selling it direct. So we've got, we've got a marketing team, an e-commerce team, we've got a manufacturing team, all within 13 people. It's hard. So. And you're in all of these big doing all these things well how how do you how how does this work (laughs) having a good team um every entrepreneur says that yeah well yeah but you've just got to you've just got to have a vision and you just got to work towards it and if you're doing something every day it's working towards it so i don't know and and your question you know what advice do you give to young people i don't know like if you're going to start something you've really got to be prepared to put in some work and and i think there's a difference between a lot of people who, who have an idea they're going to do this, the gunner people, um, mm-hmm. and the people that just do it. And, you know, there's, if you're going to talk about something and you actually want to achieve it, you've got to start doing it. And I'm not saying that, well, we, we have obviously kept doing it. We're yeah. here 14 years later. But, um, yeah, it's never, not an easy task. That's why everybody doesn't do it. What, but what kept? <laughs> I know. I'm like, how do, how do I, how do I ask this question a little differently? Um, I'm, I, what kept you going? Because I, I'm well, you get, you get too far in debt to get out of it. <laughs> That's probably one way. Um, you know, like there's times where you go, this isn't working and, yeah. and we're, we're drowning, but you're too far in. Like, yeah. you know, we had some loans that, you know, you can't pay them back with a job. So you got to, you got to hook in and figure out how to make it work. Um, did you ever raise capital? No. No, but we've, we've managed to find a friendly bank manager at one stage that, that, mm-hmm. you know, gave us some cash, but yeah, it was, it was, um, it's hard. Loans, begged, borrowed and didn't steal, but begged and borrowed. <laughs> Looking back, would you have done, I'm in the VC world now, so I'm like super curious to get, would you have done things differently and gone out to raise capital or do you feel like what you did worked for your business and the longevity that you wanted to have? Oh, I th- well, I think it's hard. Like if if we'd raised a heap of cash, um, even five years ago, you haven't got the reach and the revenue to mm-hmm. pay it back. Um, you know, these, these guys give you money. They, they want something back at some stage. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, and then that's that added pressure on top of you. So yeah. we've been lucky that we've been able to grow. We've been able to grow our manufacturing side as our sales grow and then the sales are where the money's come from. So you put a bit more into marketing, you put a bit more into manufacturing. Um, yeah, it's, I, 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 I think venture capital is a fantastic thing depending on what the product is. Mm-hmm. You know, you've only got to look at, at the news at the moment and all these, all these direct to consumer mm-hmm. brands that have gone bust because they got valued at a billion dollars and didn't have any revenue. Like where's that coming from? And yeah. I don't want to get on a rant or anything, yeah, but I no, think that's, I how, that's how they come yeah. undone. So there's, yeah, there's, there's a, there's the right time and place for venture capital. And that's when everything might be, what, what we're probably at a position now where we'd be, be better off to take a heap of cash because yeah. we know what we're doing. We could scale it. Mm-hmm. We've got a bit of reach. We've got some revenue, um, going back a few years ago, that would have been a lot harder. It's always hard to know. And there's, I mean, that's my day job as I help. Access, I help entrepreneurs get access to funding, but I'm always curious because I think we're in the similar mindset of like bootstrapping, kind of just making it work along the way until you're at a point. And I think there's a large group of people who have an idea and they think it's going to go to the moon. They go out and they raise capital. And then to your point, they're like, oh, mm, didn't I, work. What yeah, do I do now? Exactly. And so I don't think that you can really disagree with that like hustle grind that you and your brother 
put in to be like, hey, we actually have something that has revenue. It's working in the market. And then at that point, it's like no one can really argue with the numbers and the data that's literally right in front of you. Yeah, it's 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 a challenge. Like it's 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 always a challenge. It doesn't matter what you're yeah. doing. Um, you know, you've you've got to get it to the point where it's actually profitable. It doesn't matter how much revenue you got if you're not making any money. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that's why I'm sitting here because one of our big hurdles from Australia was that it's it's miles away. So our biggest market being the US, we we had a big international freight cost. We print everything on demand. We used to ship it direct from. Brisbane to the consumer somewhere sitting in their house in the US. And that was expensive. So mm. coming over here, we got rid of that freight bill. And we're now in the market rather than being an importer into the market. Yeah. Um, so and that's only, we've only been here six months. So here you are 14 years later, you're still trying to implement things to make it all work. And we're not going to stop now. You're still implementing things all the time. Yeah. And you don't, you know, everything changes as you cruise along. You don't see this 14 years ago. Were you shocked that your biggest market was in the United States? No. Well, it's where the consumers are. So you put something online, like we did, we, when we put Milton and King, uh, we went online with our online store. Well, that's where all the inquiry came from, was from the US, because that's where they were finding it. And the Australian wallpaper market's pretty small. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the inquiry started to come. It was like, how do we, how do we service these guys? I spent a lot of time on night shift answering phones that were diverted to me sitting in the dark, <laughs> um, either sitting in the office or, or sitting at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, the alarm used to go off at quarter to two in the morning and I'd get out of bed and answer phone calls and answer the chat, you know, the online chat. Well, there's some, we don't use a robot. We're sitting there talking to them. So yeah, tricky. So we got, we got rid of that. Now I get out of bed at normal time, yeah. which is nice. Wow. It's so interesting. And you see a lot kind of along the lines of pivot, but it's like you launch this product. And I've had multiple mentors tell me like you launch something. The feedback is always different than kind of what you had in mind and how can you cater more to that audience? Was there any things shocking or any challenges that you had to overcome that were completely and totally just unexpected given what you knew from doing it for so long? No, we were, we were pretty, um, in terms of our product, yeah. our product's been, we, we spent a lot of time getting our product right. Yeah. Um, and we, we don't offer a thousand products. We, we have really one product with with a lot of design skews. Mm -hmm. So we got our base paper right and our techniques for printing right the way we wanted it. And there's there's plenty of products you could use out there and plenty of printers you can use out there. And, but we just had a combination that we were happy with, right? So that, that and we did a lot of testing with installers mm -hmm. and we put paper up everywhere and did all sorts of things. Um, but once we signed off on that, we knew we had a good product. So that was, you can just put that to bed, right? We're happy with that. We yeah. shouldn't have any stuff ups. Unless it's a human error in the factory, we're not sending out faulty product. Yeah. So we've got a really good supplier um, and then we've got a good ink supplier. So we, it just works. Um, but then in terms of other hurdles, well, there's always <laughs> other hurdles, but at least there's not the hurdle with the product. Yeah. Early days, it was. Yeah. Because like there was no wallpaper, like it took a lot of time to, well, you couldn't even buy a wallpaper base in Australia when we started printing wallpaper. We were using a, uh, a different product that was for something completely different, but we were sticking it on the wall and it seemed to work. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then that's when the installers used to ring up and say, um, these panels are a different length and this one's a different color and this doesn't work. <laughs> Were and that happened quite a bit. Were you the one installing the wallpaper at first? No, no, no. No, we yeah. use professionals. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, he does it all. What do you think the biggest mistake, and you guys really niched down and focused on one product with multiple different SKUs, which I think is huge. Do you feel that is one of the biggest mistakes that young entrepreneurs make is not niching down to one specific thing and specializing, or do you feel you can do a lot of different things well when starting uh, a business similar to y'all? Well, I think you've got to have the one just to simplify things. 
depending on what it is. Yeah. Obviously. Um, we started off, we had a heap of different options and we used to show people lots of options and when we were doing a lot of custom stuff. But we just found that it, it, it just bamboozled people yeah. and they didn't really need that. <laughs> All those, you know, if someone rings up and says, oh, I want a texture and I want this, you know, well, that's all right, but we don't, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't make it commercially viable um, to have that kind of texture just for you. you yeah. Know? So you've just got to, you know, you, you can't please everybody. And that's the other thing to remember. You, you're not trying to beat everybody in the market. Mm-hmm. You just got to try and find a little niche of, of, you know, what you're offering and find those people that want to buy it. How do you overcome that mindset of not trying to please everyone? Dunno. Dunno. Uh, you, well, you, wanna, you do know you do. you're doing it great. No, you want you want to please everybody, but you've you've also got to be a realist. It's, yeah, it's not yeah. unrealistic, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and you also gotta you can't you're not gonna go out there and compete with the big boys that have been doing it for hundreds of years either. Like mm-hmm. so you've you've really got to find your niche and say, right, this is what we're we're doing. We're well known for this and we're gonna push as hard as we can and Tell everybody about it. I think the hardest part is overcoming the, well, someone's already doing it or this market is saturated or I'm, my idea is similar to something else. What, how, how did you not let that get in your runway? Well, we didn't have, we didn't have anybody else doing it. We were the only ones crazy enough to bloody try. <laughs> <laughs> bloody try. There's the Australian in them. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, but coming into the American market, like now that you're here, you have your clients. There's a lot of different wallpapers. So you, I'm sure there's been times, maybe I'm, I'm assuming here, um, that you've run into competition. And how do you stay laser focused on what you're doing and not let what other people are doing impact your decisions in your business? Well, yeah, there's, there's competition everywhere and we, we'd be sharing the same clients. You know, if you're an interior designer, you're not going to just use one product. Mm-hmm. Um, you're using product from everybody and depending on what the project is. Um, but our, our focus is on, and, and then we've got a lot of retail clients. So they might do one bedroom, two bedrooms, you know, bathroom, but then you don't see them for a decade. Yeah. So um, how do you stay focused? Well, you just got to keep on the path really it's it's a big market out there and you just got to keep pushing we want to be a, a, a household name like i spoke to a guy this morning who was an installer and i said did you ever ever heard of us before he said no but i have now so you know that's that's the thing like you just got to keep going is that your you just kind of mentioned your goal is to be a household name yeah I'd, well i'd like it not in not in you know i don't want to be you know chev um <laughs> but in the wallpaper world yeah you know, an interior designer, if someone's looking for wallpaper, or, wouldn't it be great to have a brand where they, they call it like Hoover in the UK? It's a vacuum cleaner. That's the brand name. It's like, um, what else? We were talking about this the other day with someone. Um, you know, where your brand is associated yeah. with that. Like Amazon. You're like, oh, I'm just going to order this on Amazon yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be nice if people thought wallpaper, they just thought, oh, just Milton and King it. Or Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't even think about the competition. Wouldn't that be nice? So that'd be good. We get to there. I mean, I, I can't, until I spoke with Waylon, I had not, but I'm also not, I, I know nothing about interior design. If you walked into my apartment, you would be like, oh, does a boy live here or a girl live here? So I am completely, I have no idea, but I'm sure if I asked my mom, she would have a list of wallpaper. But most people don't. Okay. Like you don't know, you don't know wallpaper brands. I didn't yeah. know any until I was like, yeah. none of my friends know a wallpaper brand apart from mine. Yeah. So it's, not, you know, you don't walk in and um, you don't, you don't necessarily Think about a wallpaper brand. It's like tapware or stuff, you know. It's not something you're thinking about. So, yeah, it, it, to be a to be a a well known, it's not for everybody. It's not. I don't expect everyone walking down the street yeah. to know who Milton and King is. It's just if you're in the interior design in business, space. it'd be nice if you knew who we were. Yeah, it's kind of like paint. Like yeah. painters, there's like a one brand that they go to. Yeah. Or like, what brand of paint is that? Well, no one knows. It's just cream on the wall. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I don't often have people in here that are from another country. What's the biggest challenge that you've had to navigate coming to the beloved United States of America in terms of business or personally? Well, business, um, we've been selling into the U S for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you kind of get a, a bit of a handle on that from a distance. Yeah. So that's not, that's not as big a. Are know. we harder or easier to deal with? 
That's really my question than Australians. Or what's what, do you feel that there's a difference in clientele? Well, and the way we approach buying for us, yeah, as wallpaper, <laughs> the Australian market is is is. If you tell someone you make wallpaper in Australia, they go, "What is that in?" Do people still do that? Like it's a it's a like that's not a thing. Wow. So, yes, we're <laughs> much more open in the US yeah. to wallpaper. So that's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I've also got an accent which probably keeps people on the phone. Like, what's this guy doing? I want to hear what he's about. Um, so that's that's probably a positive. Um, personal life moving. Like we moved, we moved with a twelve week old. So, wow. Um, yeah, that was challenging, and it still is. So we've got two daughters. So Felicity and I, we packed up. Like, which, yeah, twelve weeks, three months old, and we're on the plane. So, and we've got a three three year old who she just turned three the other day. So three and one now. Um, that's been challenging. And, you know, there's, you get here with a suitcase and you're in an Airbnb. You're like, what do we do next? Like, everything's different. It smells different. It's, mm-hmm. The kids are freaked out. Um, you know, we all got sick on the plane. So it's, it's, it takes a bit to settle everybody down. Wow. But now you get into that. It's, it's just day to day. You get used yeah. to it quite quickly. I also feel like Dallas is a very welcoming place. I feel like oh, you, it is. you chose. Yeah. How did you choose Dallas? Well, originally we, we chose Austin. Oh. In 2017. So we've had an office in, in America since 2017 okay. or 16. Um, Startup capital of Texas is right there in Austin. Yeah. And we pretty much went off that. Like everyone was moving to Austin at the yeah. time. So like, right, well, that sounds like a good spot. And we also chose Texas because it's very similar to, to Queensland in terms of climate and people. And it's friendly and it's yeah. easy to get around. And I didn't want to move to the States and, and have to buy a snow shovel. Yeah. Like I, that, I that's That's... I've never had that in my life. I didn't want it now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so you got to move to where, where you can function and do your day to day easily. Um, and then obviously Texas just, it was nice and central for sending samples, sending products. So if you're going to put a factory, why not put it in the middle? Yeah. So yeah, that's what we've done. And I, but I like Texas. I like, and I like Dallas. Like we drove yeah. up from Austin, um, Felicity and I, and we had a cruise around the design district and went, this is where yeah. we need to be. Like this yeah. is, this is the spot for us. So, yeah, so we went, went home to Australia. We got married, two kids. It's always on, you know, the pandemic hit. So yeah, um, that sort of kept us there a bit longer. But it's, um, yeah, we were always coming back So and then to the design district so that we finally got here. 14 years is a long time, not just, I mean, doing one business, like you said, it takes time. What's been the biggest challenge or biggest, yeah, biggest challenge to you personally over the last 14 years dealing with this business? Personally, that's a pretty good question. You like mean personally, as in personally, within personally the, within personally the business, within the as, business. As, as the boss? Um, something that you didn't, whether it's something that you didn't think you knew about yourself, but you feel that this business really challenged you in this way. Well, before I started, I didn't have a clue. <laughs> so, so I've been challenged quite a lot for 14 years. Um, oh, there's been lots. There's been lots of things because you don't. Um, we need examples. Oh, that's hard. People like, well, I guess a good example is with Bryce. Right? Bryce was a, a graphic designer, um, and and his world's been a bit different to mine in terms of you know mine's numbers, and it's a bit easier for me to figure out numbers. Yeah. Um, but Bryce, as the designer, he was also head of everything. So. When it came to building a website, he built the first one. We didn't know how to build a online shop. So yeah. that was, we sort of navigated through that. And, and Bryce did all of that. But for years after, it was like, I need a marketing guru. I need an e-commerce guru. And I'm like, well, we can't afford one. <laughs> and I don't think that person exists. Because anyone that walks in and says, I'm an e-commerce guru, well, he just got outdated as he said it. Like, it it, it changes so quickly. Yeah. Um, And so... Eventually, Bryce, something just clicked, and he went right. Well, I I just need to become the e-commerce guru. So he and then he just studied and and figured out and what do we need to do? And he really toiled away at at doing that to where he's now put himself in as a you know he's more of an e-commerce person than mm-hmm. than a graphic designer. Um, so that that's been a big one for him, I guess. Um, for me, I've just kind of you know I've just learnt a lot more along the way in terms of. 
you know, we have three registered companies across the UK, the US and Australia. Um, so there's a lot of, everybody does things differently. Yeah. You know, you look at tax and, and bank accounts, like there, there's a challenge. Um, you know, getting a credit rating in the US, they don't look at my credit rating in Australia, just things like that that you don't yeah, even think about. Things, yeah. yeah, my credit card, I can't even go on a holiday, can't even hire a car with it, my balance isn't high enough. So, um, all that, they're, they're challenges, but they're overcome in time. You gotta be patient. <laughs> That's one thing I quickly learned. I never really understood. This is just, I'm, I'm also naive, I'm young. Um, but what I never understood when my mentor would always told me, like, it's hard, Aaron, like being an entrepreneur is hard. And I never really understood it. But now that I'm going through it myself, I understand the amount of little things that add up that you have to overcome just to get something out the door. And now I recognize when people are like, if you're going to do it, you just need to do it because the more you think about it, you're not going to end up doing it because there's so many little things like a lawyer, you need to set up an LLC, you have to pay for this. I mean, it just like keeps on adding up and then you get to there and you're like, to your point, am I making any money? Because nine times out of 10, what you have in your mind in this vision isn't going to generate revenue or it is, but you're not, there's a break even point that you're not going to surpass. Well, you've got to have an end target you've got to see the goalposts and work towards that so there's there's every financial year comes in do we make any money um yeah so you've got to you've got to look at where you are today compared to where you were yesterday and that's the same with someone's personal life and yeah you know as long as you're getting better at it and you're still in business well happy days yeah you seem to be very level-headed when it comes to just taking the next step, but I think it's easy for people to get overwhelmed or to feel overwhelmed. How have you broken that down for yourself and not allowing that feeling of overwhelm to stop you from taking action? Um, I, I, I think I'm, oh, I'm much, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better at, at, um, not getting, I'm, I don't try and micromanage everybody for starters. Yeah. Right? So, and I give hundred percent, right. You're going to take this over. I don't want to know about it. Unless there's an issue and we need to work on something, but yeah. I don't really want to know about it. So, <laughs> and it, that's very hard to do. And especially yeah. when you, when you start something and you're handing it over to somebody else, that, that can be challenging. Um, but if, if you start to look at everything, well, you, you just get so bogged down, you'd never get anything done. Yeah. So you, you've got to really look at, all right, well, I'm just going to step away from this bit and focus on what I'm trying to do. And, and it can be challenging because you also, you can end up, you know, this thing probably needs your help and you're not there um, until it all sort of falls apart and you go, right, I should have given it a bit more attention, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a bit of a juggle. Yeah. It's a bit of a juggle, but yeah, it's, it's just knowing what you've got to do and you've got to head towards that target. You got to find the target. You got to picture it, what you want, where am we going to end up? What are we trying to do and work it back and then and make a bit of a timeline and how it's all going to happen and what steps are involved and just start stepping it out because you can't just jump to it. You've got to step it out. So yeah, that's kind of how I do it. <laughs> but I've got people, I've got people that are, yeah. you know, I've got a really good small You make it team. sound so easy. No, I'm no. Like, I don't think it's this easy. <laughs> uh, I probably skim over and summarize it a bit too much. <laughs> the vision. I think a lot of people have a vision and they have something that they think that they know that they want. And I agree with you. Break it down. I do that with every episode. What, what's my end goal? How can I get there? But as you said at the beginning of this episode, it, it turns out far different. How do you close that gap between this vision and this thing that you have and your North Star, but not attaching too much to that so that you're not pivoting or losing sight of what's working in front of you, if that makes sense. Yeah, I suppose it does. It does. Um, mathematics. Can I say mathematics? <laughs> He's an accountant at heart. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just, it's just yeah. um, you've got to be realistic about whether or not you're going to get to that goal. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's got to add up. Yeah. Right? If it doesn't add up, well, then what are we doing? Like I've got artists. We work with artists from all over the world. Uh-huh. Um, and, and they sort of go, right, I want to make this much money and I want to design wallpaper. And especially we do a lot of, con- in Australia, we do contract printing where we help, you know, you might have a wallpaper collection and you want to offer it to the market and, and this is what you're going to do. And we have people come to us and they say, all right, well, this is 
what I'm going to sell it for. I'm going to make this much money per roll, and this is how much I want to do. And and I, I've, I, you know, there's been times where I've said, all right, how much money do you want to make? Like, how realistically, what do you think you're going to make out of this? And and work it back. And they go, all oh, right, okay. So you're going to have to dominate the world on day one to make the kind of money that you think you're going to make. <laughs> like, you've got to really, you've yeah. got to be realistic about where we're going to end up. So, yeah, I guess it's just, you know, looking at it and making sure your your actual goal is achievable. You know, it can't just be pie in the sky. But I think that pawns the question of like, how do you know it's realistic? I think you have to be a bit of a dreamer to be an entrepreneur. Oh, you do. And have an unrealistic. So I think it's coming into that balance of like, okay, I have this vision and I want to get there and I know it's going to go left, right and center, but not letting it go so far off course or not letting you know, or holding on to one idea, like said, you guys held on to these canvas or whatever, the thing that you're doing initially, and you n- never went to wallpaper. It's like, you would have lost out on a huge opportunity, but you all saw the opportunity oh, to wallpaper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, and that was also because we, uh, there was no one doing wallpaper yeah. at the time. We did find out there was a guy down the road, three hours down the road, making hundreds of thousands of canvas prints each month. He pretty much had the market sewed up. Uh, so we went, right, well, that's a bit of a dead end. Yeah. So that did help us. Yeah, decide. Decide. All right. And and there was more interest for, from us personally in mm-hmm. wallpaper than there was in canvas prints. Canvas prints, we just sort of ended up as a bit of more of a, how do we make some money? Let's try this. But wallpaper ended up being a passion, mm-hmm. you know, because can, well, canvas prints are, you know, I, I just think wallpaper is a nicer product yeah. for starters. Um but if you're going into someone's home, especially if you've designed a product and someone's willing to put that in their house and they want to live with what you've designed and produced, that's, that's, you know, that's a good thing. That's yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's nice. That's a nice result out of a product. Oh yeah. I'm willing to put this in my bedroom and sleep with it every night. Like, yeah. So that's, that's a much, you know, that's a good, good You had result. a more, there's more passion behind that for you. And I feel like passion, they always say if it's something that you're passionate about, you're not going to stop doing it. And I feel like for most entrepreneurs, that's true because of how hard it is. It's like if you're not passionate about this thing, you're only chasing money. Oh, yeah, money. you've got to be right into it. Well, if you're chasing money, you might as well just go get a job. It'd be easier. <laughs> like it'd be consistent. You Elaborate on this. <laughs> the honesty, I like it. Well, no, no. But most most entrepreneurs, like it's, it's up and down. And, you know, if, if you're doing it for the money, well, you want to have a, you know. Most young people though, that's, that's, it, they're, they're so driven by money. And I, that's why I'm like, keep talking about it. Cause I think it's important for young people to understand is that when you go, even people starting process, like, oh, I'm going to do, I just want to make money. I'm like, that's just not it. Like spider will tell you, anyone will tell you, like, if this is what you're going into to make money, it's not going to be successful. And for some reason, people keep doing the same thing over and over again. Well, it's uh, yeah. Well, when you haven't got any money. That's mm-hmm. the first thing you need is some yeah, money. money. So that's, that's, you know, that's, I can understand why people want to do yeah. it to make money. <laughs> I too was in that position. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it, well, it becomes, it becomes a passion thing. Yeah. And it it'll probably start that way. If you're lucky enough, it can start that way, but yeah. you gotta be really passionate about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise it, it makes it hard to get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you're getting out of bed for no cash, yeah. you know, when your staff make more money than you do. You're like, right, well, you know, it's, it's can be unmotivating if you didn't enjoy what you were doing. I'm like, yeah. And not only that, I feel like you just pour your heart and your soul into something and it's like, you, there's just so much risk involved. What advice would you give for young people on risk? Like, are you someone that you feel is super likes to take a lot of risks? Are you more risk adverse? I'm going towards more risk adverse based off of this conversation. Um, Well. But then naivety at a young age, I feel like that risk got you here. So maybe I'm wrong. We're we're pretty heavy on the risk, obviously, because here we are on the other side of the planet. (laughs) It's pretty risky. Um, You know, I I packed a bag. We we didn't have, when we first went to Austin, you know, we didn't have, the market in Australia wasn't growing enough for us to, to actually survive. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with the accountant and said, 
we're meant to be hitting this target before we go. And I'm like, well, we're not going to hit it unless we do go. Um, we came over, we, we were, we were very, very broke. Um, a job would have been helpful, but, um, you know, we survived through it and, um, yeah, but it's, it's just a challenge, but that's all risk. Like it's all, um, yeah, we've, but Bryce and I kind of look at it that, you know, we started with nothing. So what's the worst that can happen? You know what I mean? So we've, we've probably, we've been all in for, you know, for a fair while. That's yeah. a hard mindset sometimes to teach is like this fear of my mentor said this. He's like, you don't really feel failure. And I'm like, well, when you can, to your point, like when you start it and it's nothing, it's like, what's the worst case? I'm going to end up at nothing. This is kind of where yeah. I started. So yeah. there's no. Can't go backwards. Yeah, exactly. Can't yeah. go into the negatives in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Over the next three to five years, where do you see this business going? Three to five. Um, Where do you hope it would go? Not really. Um, well, I hope it stays on its yeah. current, you know, growth. Um, and we're 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 getting a bit of momentum. Obviously, we're getting momentum now yeah. in terms of, um, you know, I think someone referred to us as a Dallas brand the other day. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've we've got an American-made product now, yeah. which is great. So, in terms of the states, I feel like we've just got here, and yeah. we're we're just starting, mm-hmm. um, and we're just starting with with a lot of things. Yeah. So, really, you can sort of look at this this new change as a as a ready to go. Like I've got a new team; they haven't been around for fourteen years with us. So, yeah, um, you know, we've got an Australian team and the US team; and they're all new. So that's all, um, you know, getting all of that happening and. Yeah, in four, three to five years, I, th- I think we'll be a lot bigger. Yeah, hopefully, I'm um, hoping that we're a lot better known within the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to branch into a few new products, so that'll help. Um, yeah, and just continue to be, you know, doors open and talking to people. Yeah, I love it. A few more for you. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten in your entrepreneurial journey? Best piece of advice. I heard one the other day that said you can't, you can only coast downhill. I thought that was pretty good. You can only coast downhill? You can only coast downhill. As in, you can't just sit back and cruise unless you're going downhill. Um, oh, yeah. I like that one. Yeah. I've had a pretty busy 12 months and I was kind of thinking a bit of time coasting would be nice, but uh, no, <laughs> now's the time going to put the foot down. down. <laughs> Um, that was speaking to you directly. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was speaking to me. So, um, best piece of I, advice, I don't know. Like everybody's got different, like everyone has a different yeah. path and advice. But I know when you're, when you're in it as a, you know, as a, as a starting entrepreneur and, I, and I've been talking to a friend in Tassie who's, um, who's starting off a business at the moment and he's like, oh, if I had this and, um, and I remember being in that exact same position, yeah. you know, you think, all right, if I can get this, I can then do this and I can do this and. And those things are right, but you probably, when you're in it, you put too much weight on that. Uh-huh. Um, you really got to figure out how do I get the revenue and then I'll figure out how to get the product made or whatever else. Like you just got to get the actual sales and then the rest kind of falls, can fall into place as long as you do your work and you figure it out properly. That's someone, someone told that to me. They're like, the only thing you need to focus on is the sales and then you can control everything else. And I was like, that's truth to anything. How- to, a, to a, to a. Degree, would agree. You've got to be able to. You've got to be able to understand when it's going yeah. to add up. So yes, this will do for a while until I can do this, and this revenue is going to allow me to do this. But you know, yeah. I was. I've had a few people on that said, fast growth can also be the death of your business, and so I think that's something that I've always kept in the back of my mind. It's like sometimes you're always chasing these sales and these sales, but at the same time, it's like you could get to a place where it's like you might not be there, whether it's in terms of production or manufacturing. It's like you, you're you shooting too far and then you can't back in. So it's like understanding, controlling that supply and demand, especially if you're obviously in a product-based mm. business like you are. Yeah, you run into all those issues with supply and yeah manufacturing especially in this covid world where i feel like everything is delayed and this is happening and yeah there's nothing worse than t- telling someone that's bought your product that you can't fill an order and yeah. giving their money back it's 
been hard enough to get their money in the first place. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that. You're going back downhill on that <laughs> one. Okay. Uh, how has your idea of success changed over the course of the last 14 years? Well, everybody's everybody's idea of mm-hmm. success is different. Yeah. Um, and everybody puts it back to money. So I don't know whether that's where I'm putting it or not. I think money would be nice because everything becomes a bit more comfortable. Yeah. Um, but I'm 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 happy with my day today at the moment. I rent a house. I drive an ordinary car. It's not a big, you yeah. know. I'm quite happy with my day today. Like, yeah. So, in terms of success, I'd like to have probably more. You know, down the track, I'd like to have more time. A better, probably a better balance between my work mm. and, and my home life and be able to do, and, and it's not too bad at the moment, but I'd like it to be a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, you know, we're still in the day to day grind. Like I, I can't take a holiday and do those things. That'd yeah. be nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, I'd like to be there. I'd like to be there. Like at the moment I struggle to, to get the right amount of exercise and all those things because you're torn between work and home and all those yeah. So it's it's success probably looks at where all those things are a bit more even and yeah. and you can achieve what you actually want to achieve yeah. without feeling that you're being pulled one way or the other. I heard, I forget who said this, but it was maybe like Gary Vee or some other. There, there's never there's no such thing as balance. You're either giving up some family time for work or it's the opposite, and it's just knowing when to lean into what and being okay with leaning that direction. And I thought it was perfect because I think so many people are like, how do I find balance? And I'm like, there's no true such thing as balance. Like there's no even weight. It's just a give and a take and a compromise and knowing when to go where and kind of back to the initial, like when to go fast and like when to press the the pedal and then when to maybe back off and take more time for yourself and recover. Yeah, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. Balance is a hard one. It's a hard one. But my wife will tell you that I just talk about work. And that's hard because you're thinking about work. Yeah. Um, and I'm not thinking about the weekend's fishing trip because that's not what I'm doing. Like I'm yeah. thinking about work. So yeah. it's, and I talk out loud too much. <laughs> so my wife's like, you don't need to tell me this before we go to bed that whatever the issue is on your mind. Like, yeah. So th- there's, there's not just the balance of being home, but actually being present. Yeah. That's the big me. one. All right. So I'm, I'm never present. I'm getting better at being present. Yeah. But, you know. That is my number. I'm reading a book. You need to read it. Um, It's called The Power of Now. I don't know if you've ever read it. Um, I forget who the author is. Eckhart Tolle. Uh, hopefully I'm saying that right. Tolle? Okay. And it's all about presence. And I think every entrepreneur can resonate with that because we're so forward thinking. It's like we're solving the problem that's two months down the road or however far along. And it's hard to come back in the moment and be like, okay, this is where I am. I'm grateful for these. So, or it's yesterday's longer. problem that still hasn't yeah. been fixed. <laughs> so that's always a challenge. It, it and it's a blessing and a curse. And I literally had this conversation earlier, but I was like, my mind is always moving, and it's hard to slow it down. Sometimes, like you're just always like on a spin wheel. Like I'm the what's that? The little animal that's just running and running, 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 running. And when people are like, it's okay, slow down. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like that, it's not. It's hard to slow down and be present. So I'm glad that you said that. Well, you're going to learn that because. <laughs> Does everyone. They're like, you're going to learn it the hard way. Yeah, well, I think you've, you've, you've got to. Otherwise. Yeah. Um, your body and your mind won't take it. Yeah. That's. that's I learned that. Every, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the. Yeah. That, yeah. I think that's my lesson this week is slow down. Stop working out so much. Stop doing all of this. Um, I want you to pimp yourself out for the audience. So market yourself. Where can people find you if they are interested in your product? I have a lot of friends that just bought houses. So where can they find you? Decorations. Give it to us. Miltonandking.com. Okay. Uh, and we're also, we have a showroom at 900 Dragon Street in the Dallas Design District. Okay. And we're open to the public and we're open to trade. So everybody's okay. welcome. Depending on what time of day, you might what get a beer or a coffee. What? We we do uh, residential and commercial wall okay. coverings. We've got seventeen hundred different designs. Wow! Um, so we've got two different base. Well, we've got a commercial base and a residential base, but the residential base can also be used in commercial applications. Um, yeah, so come and see us. We're friendly, but wow. most of the time. Are you there every single day? Oh, well, I try to be. I'm meant to be. 
Let's okay. say that I'm meant to be. It's so, but is the office open like every single day? No, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. five days a week. Five days a week, Monday yeah. through Friday. Yeah. Okay, I'll put all of this uh, in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on. But I have one last question: What are you grateful for today? Uh, it's the last question I ask every single person. <laughs> what am I grateful for today? <laughs> um, well, uh, well, this morning I, I'll have to say my wife today. Okay. And, and I'm going to say that because this morning we were at breakfast, we were having breakfast or coffee this morning. And then I said, all right, I need to talk about work and don't get mad. So, and she gave me a good hour and sent me out the door with the right attitude. So I'm grateful for her support today. Well, I'm grateful for her support most days, like yeah. to drink, to bring your two kids to the other side of the planet with no support Yeah. outside, you know, the two of us. It's challenging. So, Yeah. That's yeah, she gets that is more a, grateful. That is very good. And I'm going to say I am grateful for my community of people around me, especially here in Dallas. I feel like as I'm transitioning to Austin, I'm like getting sad. I'm like, wow, I'm going to miss all my friends and all my connections. But thank you so much for being on.